0: Welcome to The Sacramentalists, a podcast where the ancient Christian faith is brought to bear on issues prevalent in modern culture. We're your hosts. I'm Father Hayden Butler. And I'm Father Wesley Walker. And today we are uh, without our dear companion, Father Creighton, who, uh, who's uh, celebrating uh, and, um, and managing the uh, the early days of uh, being a, a father and the arrival of his child. So we are praying for him and uh, wish them congratulations in an official way from the podcast that's right and uh, praying that they get a couple hours of sleep (laughs) (laughs) those first few days there's nothing quite like that yeah an all-out assault on your on your overall equilibrium yeah (laughs) that's right that's right
1: and as a father i feel like it's a tough thing to negotiate too because it's like you know how much am I supposed to be doing here? And I always feel like there's something I could be doing. And I don't know. It was, it, it's a it's a tough adjustment for sure. But.
0: It is. It is. It, it, it just, it really takes a lot of practice. So we're, we're with you in spirit, Father Creighton. And uh, we, we wish you well today. and We can't wait to have you back with us. That's right. That's right. Uh, but today we are uh, gathered to discuss the Sacrament of Confirmation. Uh, as our topic at hand sometimes called the laying on of hands sometimes called in other traditions chrismation sometimes called as i found out from uh, our good buddy jeremy taylor the bishoping of children uh, which has just enough of an ominous sound to it to make one uh, avoid it uh and uh it does seem like people uh, generally uh, avoid prolonged discussions of this particular sacrament um it's, uh, you know, there's obviously, you know, we, we spend a lot of time discussing baptism and Holy Communion. Um, and then as we've discussed in our uh, our confession episode, uh, when we get beyond those two, sometimes the, the conversation tapers off pretty quickly. And it's been my experience that when we start talking about confirmation, um, even though it has a, a secure historical place in the ancient faith, the apostolic tradition, um, it seems like when you get a, a conversation going between even like uh, Orthodox, Roman Catholics, Anglicans on one side, and then some of the Magisterial Reformation traditions, and even like Evangelicals and Pentecostals, there's a real uh, unhelpfully wide, di- uh, wide diversity of explanations for what this, um, you know, receiving of the Holy Spirit is, um, what it does, what it's for, and what place does it have in the sacramental life, and uh, and why is it important uh, to Christians? There's even questions in, you know, among some of, is it a sacrament at all? Um, and even among Anglicans, uh, this can be a, a real point of disparity that separates us from, um, from some of our even uh, closely liturgically related brethren. Um, and so you know, I, I just got done with an adult uh, catechism class, uh, and this one came up in a pronounced way this time. Uh, in in that in that catechetical work, the real question, and I think it's a frequent question, becomes, you know, okay, I I really haven't heard of confirmation before, um, and uh, but I've heard of baptism, and so it, there's a little bit of an anxiety that can sometimes pop up of, well, is 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 my baptism like Mm -hmm. messed up? Is it flawed? Is there something wrong with me? Um, Sometimes we get people coming into our tradition who've been Christians for many, many years, and they say, "Well, I've never, I've never been confirmed. Has my Christian life to this point been a lie?" Uh, And and while they're, you know, uh, while we know we try to assuage uh, the the immediate onslaught of scrupulosity in that moment, there there really is a real question there of of what what is this thing Mm -hmm. because. Uh, it seems, as I think we'll discuss today, the uh, the church throughout the centuries has treated this very as a very important thing. Um, and yet, around the time of the Reformation, it seems this began to be a more complex conversation, especially in the Christian West. Uh, and then um, its relationship to these other sacraments, and then just is it even necessary for a Christian to consider? Um, you know, that that those are all those all became more on the table. And I think at this point. Uh, there's there's a lot of confusion even among trained people even among catechized people as to what this is about. So so I mean what what is your bit experience with that been both catechetically and your own thought and your own formation? Um, what what's been your approach to confirmation?
1: Yeah, I think I was lucky when it came to being formed on confirmation because I had no real expectation about what it was until I became Anglican and found myself in a fairly Anglo-Catholic parish and. Um, was told basically like, this is something you need to do um, if you really want to join the church. And so it was a kind of an easy process for, for me um, it, just personally. But what I've always heard is that confirmation is a, is a sacrament looking for a theology. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's very true, at least in our modern world. Um, I, I think it's complicated too, by the fact that as Anglicans, however, you define confirmation whether you define it as a as a sacrament or not it's still only something a bishop can do which makes it hard when you're dealing with people who come into anglicanism from other traditions so if you've got people who come from the methodist church or the lutheran church Um, They do confirmation, but they're not doing it in the same way that we do it. And so then you're having to tell them, well, you have to be confirmed if you want to be a member, but you have to be confirmed by a bishop in apostolic succession. And so even though you've been confirmed, we're doing this other thing. And so it's it can be a little hard because people will then can sometimes I've had this happen before kind of take that a little personally. Yeah, which is not, of course, what we want to do. Um, and even in within Anglicanism, there has been a variety or mixture of standards. So I, I realized this in my own parish because we recently changed our parish bylaws to better conform to our jurisdictional constitution and canons. And according to the APA Constitution and Canons, to be a member of a parish, a voting member of a parish, you have to be confirmed by a bishop in apostolic succession. And when that wording was proposed, I had parishioners who have been at my parish since long before i got there who were told when they first started coming oh well if you were confirmed as a lutheran or if you were confirmed as a methodist we well, don't right. you don't have to do that again and so then it puts me in the awkward position of saying well you really should do that <laughs> and uh so it's been interesting and and has definitely this is very uh, a very germane topic to to what to parish life. Uh, for that reason, uh, we're currently in the middle of a, of a newcomers class at my parish. And um, it's a mix, you know, we've got some people who are coming in from kind of similar backgrounds as me and they're to them. It's great. You know, hey, this is awesome. I've never never had this done before. But to some of the others, it's like, well, yeah, it's a little tricky. But, but this is what we have to do um, to kind of normalize everything. So yeah, it's 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 a bit of a messier conversation, I think, than than some of the other sacraments, for sure. But it's worth it. It's worth it.
0: Yeah, I, I think you know, in that, in your, in your, your synopsis there, you know, we draw up two of the main issues here. One is is an issue of of Christian identity, which is I've always thought that I was a Christian, and and this can even be the case, you know, when I when I get people trans, uh, transferring in from more of an evangelical background, or mm-hmm. even from one of the more um, you know, like even Presbyterianism or Lutheranism, but they, they come in and, and say, you know, okay, you know, you, we have a pretty clear sense as Anglo-Catholics about what churchmanship in, entails and what, what the identity of a practicing Christian is. And, um, and so when it comes in, there is that delicate conversation of it may be the case that you're a very uh, well-intended and, uh, and very devout Christian. Um, but that there may have been there may be something that is you know still still yet to be done, you know and uh, and and how to approach that in a way that doesn't suggest you know uh, doesn't right away suggest you know invalidity or even just irregularity, just maybe that there's maybe been something that hasn't been you haven't you haven't availed yourself of or that hasn't mm-hmm. been availed of for you. Um, and, and how to, how to open that door gently without, uh, yeah, again, suggesting like, nope, you've just never been a Christian this whole time. You just were fooling yourself.
1: And, and I think one of the, the other complications that is very much related to what you're saying is the fact that like, if you read the prayer book, it, it's sort of assuming that you're a a child who's been raised in the church and were baptized yeah. as a baby and you're, you know, maybe a teenager or a young teenager, or maybe, maybe a little younger than that. Um, kind of making your faith, your own sort of approach, which I think is great and makes sense. It's just that we're living in a secularizing culture. So a lot of the people who come through our doors were not baptized as babies and do not have the kind of formation, uh, that the prayer book is assuming that you have gone through. So it is primarily adults who are confirmed. And I think a lot of our parishes um, though, I mean, there are like our son, our oldest son is probably going to be confirmed next time our bishops here, which will be very exciting. But, mm-hmm. um, but still, you know, it is, it is complicated in that way too. I think just contextually like, cause yeah, you are having to tell these evangelical converts like, well, no, you need this. You need this. Um, I, I usually I don't know about you when when I do have an adult from an evangelical background, I try to or even just an adult convert in general. I try to uh, focus confirmation discussion on spiritual gifts, say hey, this is this is where the Holy Spirit will really, Begin the work in you that will make you a contributing member to this local parish in whatever spiritual gifts he wants you to exercise. Hmm. And so that way you can kind of, it's not, I'm not, we're not saying you're not a Christian. We're not saying that you haven't done good things. We're just saying you're being equipped for the ministry you're to do here.
0: And I I think that that draws out the other part of it too is the the local like the 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 kind of sense of how it how it puts us in relationship both to our local parish that we attend but then also to the church beyond it. Um and this this I think is one of the main um kind of formational important points about confirmation is confirmation puts us beyond our local congregation, right? By by having it come through the hand of a bishop. Um, who's who's by and large coming to visit to do this right who's on an episcopal visitation is making is in his and is and his, in his uh, you know and uh, doing confirmations that day uh there is uh, it puts us in a sense of i belong to a church that's more than just my local church, and um, that again calls into calls into question kind of church identity. If we also have that kind of question of of individual Christian identity, we also have that sense of how does my local congregation fit into the larger church, and how is it grafted into the one body of Christ? Um, and like you were pointing out, you know, this you know to say confirmation, you know, has has historically from you know from the earliest days come through the hand of a bishop in the apostolic succession. Um, raises the question of, okay, um, what if I'm coming from a place that didn't have bishops at all, or bishops who um, were more kind of self-ordaining, or, you know, or, or you know, or, you know, all of those things, it calls into question. Uh, and it puts, puts to the forefront, strains that question of, okay, there's this thing that's real and has been real in the church. And even if it's not, um, even if it's not in an expressed active form in the tradition you just came from, what does that mean for you? You know, and, and that's, and that becomes a pastoral conversation. But um, I think this is why it's important to have this conversation and actually draw out what confirmation is and does um, because I I think it can help equip us with the vocabulary for, and also just, and and help us to, to have a good, uh, good first step forward into that conversation
1: completely agree definitely necessary
0: so so to that end i think it'd be helpful for us just to kind of build a sketch a kind of biblical and historical sketch um, of what confirmation is Um, a lot and and i think there's some really helpful um, you know short form resources on this i think one that you and i have have both talked about as being especially helpful is jeremy taylor's book perfective unction um, on, on the sacrament of confirmation, it's a great uh, historical study on this, you know, biblically and from um, the writings of the church fathers, and 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 building a sense for it as it um, as it as it applies to the to the you know the the, the Anglican Church, um, especially after the time of the Reformation. Um, and and draws out some dis- some Anglican distinctives, but also puts it in dialogue with the with the ancient church, um, which is an especially helpful not only theological method to observe and uh, and be formed by, but also gives a, a lot of information in just a very short uh, pages. I think it's only like seventy pages long or something like that. It's exceptionally short. Um, and so, so what we're talking about here is the, you know, it, for those who are not familiar with confirmation is um, this, um, this action that the apostles would take. And you know, that's recorded in the Acts of the Apostles, um, where after there would be um, a group of people baptized, uh, they would go out and they would lay hands upon them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Um, The most, uh, I think the most immediate example of this is, uh, of course, when uh, Peter and John hear that um, Samaritan Christian, you know, Samaritans have been baptized and have have come to faith, they go out from Jerusalem, and then they go and lay hands on them as, as apostles and Uh, And they they receive the Holy Spirit, much like the, you know, the the disciples had received the Spirit at Pentecost. And this is what the sacrament is meant to to convey is what happens at Pentecost is then extended through um, the church that received Pentecost to those who are to be brought into that church that received the the, the Pentecost, the descent of the Holy Spirit. Um, And very quickly, it it takes this form of an apostle going and laying hands on uh, and the Spirit descending upon them.
1: Which is the passage that's read at Confirmations now is from Acts 8, which tells that story, which is great.
0: And and so the question is, okay, we you know, we, when we're often, one of the, one of the things that, you know, comes up around the, the topic of confirmation, as well as any sacrament is, of course, is this a biblical thing? Or was this, you know, was this a later development? It's clearly something biblical. We have to account for this thing that the apostles were doing and did with regularity. Um, throughout the Acts of the Apostles, and is referenced in the uh, epistle literature of the New Testament, um, and is even, I would argue, figured in Revelation. Right where we we see the seal of the the seal of God on the foreheads of uh, of, the, of the faithful during uh, during the persecutions and the tribulations. And so there's this there's this thing that the New Testament just very you know non anxiously talks about throughout throughout um, uh, all of the books there. And so um, the question is, okay, well, so what did that? How did that? come to bear on the life of the church as it moved beyond the apostolic age and i, I think you know our, we we as we often do we turn to 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 one of our reliable uh you know standard bearers of that age of, uh, to, to tertullian right mm-hmm. um who who just directly you know is describing christian practice conventional christian initiation and he says uh you know after baptism the hand is imposed by blessing calling and inviting the holy spirit and then the most Holy Spirit descends from the Father upon the bodies that are cleansed and blessed. And so this is a post-baptism, um, uh, a blessing, a uh, laying on of a hand that invites and calls the Holy Spirit um, to indwell uh, the, the the person that has been baptized. Um, and this this I think starts to build the sense for what relationship confirmation has in relationship to baptism is that it is a it is a separate action um some you know i think you know sometimes we could talk about when is confirmation to be performed that's that's a good and reasonable question but that it is a kind of separate you know ac- action that is taken and um and is not equivalent with baptism is kind of the first thing to observe there and uh, observes that that ritual laying on of the hand as the means by which the Holy Spirit is invoked, invited, and uh, and comes to indwell. Um and I, so I think, you know, you know, taking that as the biblical precedent and then the kind of early sense of it, um, I kind of want to jump forward to maybe a little bit more of a, just a, a, a definition for us to begin working with here. Um, and I wanted to do this to requite Father Creighton's, uh, you know, to mystic heart uh, by just quoting a passage from St. Thomas to give us something yeah. to work with here in our conversation. So uh, Thomas in his uh, Summa Theologica says and it says the following of confirmation. He says, in every work. The final completion is reserved to the supreme act of, or power. Thus, the preparation of the matter belongs to the lower craftsman. The higher gives the form, but the highest of all is he to whom pertains the use, which is the end of things made by art. Thus, also, the letter which is written by a clerk is signed by his employer. Now the faithful of Christ are a divine work. And then he goes on to say, and this sacrament of confirmation is, as it were, the final completion of the sacrament of baptism in the sense that by baptism, man is built up into a spiritual dwelling and is written like a spiritual letter, whereas by the sacrament of confirmation, like a house already built, he is consecrated as a temple of the Holy Ghost and as a letter already written is signed with the sign of the cross therefore the conferring of this sacrament is reserved to bishops who possess the supreme power in the church just as in the primitive church the fullness of the holy ghost was given by the apostles in whose place the bishops stand so that's kind of it in a nutshell right there and that i would say that that as far as far as i you know as i as as we we would understand it we would probably say amen to everything there right
1: oh absolutely yes anglicanism is always the most thomistic of traditions (laughs) (laughs) but no i it it is it is good and and in the actual confirmation liturgy it is something that comes up that close connection between baptism and confirmation they are two distinct movements of the holy spirit but they are closely tied together because right before the bishop um lays hands and does the confirmation he he says a prayer Almighty, never living God, who has vouchsafed to regenerate these thy servants by water and the Holy Ghost. Strengthen them, we beseech thee, O Lord, with the, with the Holy Ghost, the comforter and daily increase, in them the, thy manifold gifts of grace. So in other words, we look backwards to whenever the moment of confirmation was in relation, or wherever the moment of baptism was in relation mm-hmm. to the confirmation, and we tie that to what's happening at the, at the confirmation itself.
0: That's, yeah, that's, that's right, um, and, it, and I think in, in many places, too, uh, there is a kind of, um, there's a resonance between, uh, you know, the, que- the question and answer that the bishop conducts with the uh, confirmands uh, and the baptismal vows, right? There's, a, there's almost like a renewal of those baptismal vows um, that's summarized very concisely in the confirmation liturgy, um, and it presupposes that that's already been in place. Um, Jeremy Taylor he says, you know, uh, in confirmation, we receive uh, the unction from above. That is, uh, we are most signally made kings and priests unto God to offer up spiritual sacrifices and to enable us to seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of it and that the Holy Spirit is in Scripture called the unction from above, and this is where we get this 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 idea that there's a there's an end to which the Christian life is given. Right, we're raised up um, and and regenerated, right? But then, um, you know, we're we and we're given that kind of that form uh, and the and a new life, but then that life is uh, is empowered and directed to an end. Um, and I think, I think it was, uh, Joseph Ratzinger who said, right, that, that, you know, baptism and confirmation have their end in communion, right. In Holy Eucharist, uh, which is, you know, these things have, that it brings us into union with Christ, both sacramentally, and then also ultimately in the beatific vision, right. And, in the communion of the saints. Um, and, and so that's, that's, I think another helpful way of looking at confirmation is, okay, um when we talk about it as a as a as completing the grace of baptism very often that can suggest to people that there's something lacking in baptism like something is insufficient in that so i don't know how, how would you explain uh, the different sense of perfecting in this case when you explain it to people.
1: Yeah, I mean, we would like, like we would say, I think you know, the the baptism and the Eucharist are generally necessary for salvation, and the other sacraments not, maybe not quite so stringently. So this doesn't mean they don't contribute to our salvation. However, um, in fact, some of us need all the help we can get, um, and so confirmation certainly can provide help. But I do think it's it's helpful to think about the end to which each of the acts pertain. So yes, they all are for our salvation. Baptism is about the removal of the stain of sin, actual and original. And it is about the, um, the regenerating of the person, making them alive to God. But I really love that Jeremy Taylor quote that you just read, where he says that we're made kings and priests unto God to offer up spiritual sacrifices. There is a A sense, and we have to be careful how we say this because it could be taken in a really cringe way. But there's a sense in which confirmation is a sort of maybe more outward-facing or focused uh, sacrament, insofar as it's kind of like the ordination of laity. Yeah. Um, And and of course that doesn't mean that the laity should preach or um, or administer the Eucharist, you know, we're not saying that that kind of thing, that's we're where get a little
0: all of a sudden here exactly,
1: yeah. right, right, right but rather that they are being given the tools to do the kind of ministry to which the lay Christian is called to play their role in the royal priesthood of all believers mm-hmm. um, which doesn't displace the importance of the sacramental priesthood or the sacerdotal priesthood but rather the opposite right it's it's for their good that we minister as priests in the church so that they can then be empowered to go out into the world preach the gospel uh, and and bring it to people in in their lives and in their contexts and so i think confirmation is good because it's it's a way of preparing people for that whatever it looks like in your context for you as 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 this particular layperson who can't be replaced in the body of Christ, this is the Holy Spirit coming to you so that you can be empowered to do what he wants you to do in your in terms of your ministry.
0: Yeah, there, there's a vocation that's bestowed there. You know, uh, and this again, I think, is a, is a helpful pastoral corrective measure to the sense that. We are given salvation as a kind of a, as a as a as a as a private gift, right? We're we're given we're you know we're, we're extended salvation to keep us from incurring the worst imaginable outcome, you know, to 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 escape from the darkest timeline, right, as it were. Uh, and and I think that instead, you know, baptism, especially as seen with the um, the kind of perfective sense of confirmation it restores this idea of perfection in the biblical sense which is it it orders towards its its purposed end right that's what perfection really means um scripturally is um is a is is an idea that you are ordered toward your end and you are pursuing it um completely with a with an in, with integrity and with, an, a, a, with an, a completely earnest life um but there's that it presupposes what that end is and in this case it's that that kind of that royal priesthood right which is really just to say we are restored to the fullness of our humanity because that is the image of humanity as it was created to be in the garden of eden prior to the rebellion of adam and eve and so it's to say like yeah in being doing this you are being ushered back in into the fullness of humanity, which is, of course, in light of what happened in Eden, a redeemed humanity that is that is redeemed from from sin, redeemed from captivity to death, from bondage to the flesh, from all of these things. And are but now in being given that new life and now being given freedom, you're given a a purpose for which to exercise that life and freedom.
1: I think it's again, it's always helpful to remember the context too. It's primarily Historically, the children who are confirmed, of course, converts too. But you know, like I said, the prayer book kind of is assuming it's it's children. Yeah. Um. So, you know, my six-year-old uh, is over the past couple years has really been coming into a bigger, uh, better understanding of the faith. He's baptized. He participates in the life of the church. Um. But he's maybe not at a place yet where he can really go out and and really communicate the gospel to people, you know, um, he's getting there, but I think it's helpful to remember. So at baptism, we're redeemed, regenerated, and then we have a time where we need to be trained and catechized. And, and then confirmation is the kind of culmination of that process. And then the sending out, and of mm-hmm. course it doesn't always neatly fit into all those categories. I mean, you know, a new Christian can still evangelize, um, and we still need Catechism throughout life. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It doesn't stop. But there is a sense in which, you know, as a new Christian, like right now, our primary focus is getting you on the same page and making sure you understand what's required of you and what you're supposed to do. And then we'll maybe turn you loose. But, you know, we're not going to have a a brand spanking new Christian be the one leading the parish Bible study either, you know. Um, And so I think that is a helpful Way of thinking, it like baptism is sort of a front end sacrament, and confirmation is a sort of back end sacrament. You know, in, in that that training process comes to a, a conclusion in um, in confirmation, and of course, we always need to be trained. But but in terms of basic formation, yeah, okay, you're good. We can put the stamp on you. You know,
0: you know, we we typically associate this too with the receiving of of you know your share of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as Saint Paul talks about it, right? Which is ordered, of course. In the immediate sense, to you know, the edifying of the church right? exactly. and the building up of the body of Christ, um, and the language of the New Testament is always to stir up the gift that you know was imparted to you, um, and this is you know this is what the, the 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 that that's referring to is is these gifts that are given to us. You know, as as our share, uh, and 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 which also is goes hand in hand with that vocational sense of, yeah, you're being you're being given power from on high, but you're given power from on high with a with a very distinct purpose to it, right? And this is the corrective teaching that needs to happen with the Corinthian church, for example, right? Who thought, we've got these cool spiritual powers now, let's do whatever we want with them, right? Or let's use them however we want. And Paul has to kind of put a a larger framework around, no, you're given these things for a reason and that reason is this, which then looks like this. Uh, in practice, um, and it's ordered towards ultimately, yeah, the the building up of the church, love among the brethren, and then ultimately, you know, as our worship to God. And uh, and having that in mind, you know, it it, it it when we think about you know children being confirmed, right? It, it's a it's a reminder that you know that you know there really isn't this kind of you know half christian sense we typically associate with youth right there's there's like okay when you know in the prayer book it's presupposed you get baptized you get catechized and then you get confirmed and you know plausibly from a very young age you're you're you know part you're a full you're considered a full participant in the church even if you have admit of some immaturity in your theological Mm -hmm. understanding or your life experience or whatever um that doesn't you know preclude you from being among the faithful who are you know who are then offering the eucharistic worship to god on sunday and then uh, as that begins to contour a uh, pattern the contours of life uh and and i think it's with that in mind you can kind of see why you know the the early the, you know the early histories of the church are so full of of really young startlingly young people um who are boldly going out and you know facing martyrdom and preaching and and, and you know exercising incredible you know uh, manifestations of the gifts um because it was you know that that idea of confirmation is this is a gift. it's an objective gift of God's grace. um this this thing is being bestowed to you and it's for this end. and if those constituent pieces are there, there's nothing to kind of stop you from beginning to you know live the life unto sainthood, right
1: yep, yep. absolutely. I started I don't know what you all do at your parish, but I've started giving um, a spiritual gifts inventory Mm. um, to people uh, as they're kind of going through the process of getting ready for confirmation. Um, Just because I think it's helpful uh, for them to to do that work of really knowing yourself and knowing where you feel like the Holy Ghost is maybe moving in you um, and and what that work might look like post confirmation in terms of where where are you going to get plugged in? What are you going to do? um so I, I found that to be helpful for people because i was having people ask well what are my spiritual gifts you know and it's like well that's a that's a big question for me to answer
0: <laughs> no that's right that's right and uh and i think it's also confirmed in that community right the yes. gifts all kind of um are mutual are interdependently revelatory um and 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 that's why i think whenever someone is like i think i have a vocation to this i'm like well it's Let's put it to test in the community and see yeah. how the community responds to it, right? If, if you have a community of faithful people, it's a great thing because it, it can um, it can confirm uh, a sense of calling or it can put, put the kibosh on it pretty quick. That's right. Um, if it's like, you know, I think I have the vocation to be a teacher in the church and it's like, yeah, but nobody nobody really wants to learn from you. you know? so <laughs> like, maybe not, you know? That's right. Um, maybe something else. Um, and uh, And that's very helpful um another thing that comes with this too is with confirmation is the is it brings into our uh the church's sense and its use of oils um which is it, it, goes, it goes with this because we've talked about the laying on of hands that's clearly present in the acts of the apostles um but then the the question you know i get sometimes is okay so what's up with like getting oil put on your head um and what's up with all of that like the church has this you know as a chrism mass you know the the bishop does once a year right where where they where they bless the new oils uh, and then those are, you know, put put to use in parishes and we keep them and, you know, altar guild, new altar guild people ask like, what's that about? And um, and we see them emerge at baptisms and things like that. So um, it really brings us to a question of the theology of oils and what oil symbolizes um, in the church. Um, and we've already, I think, touched on that with uh, this, this uh, the, the, again, the, the perfective sense of confirmation being to order us and empower us to the end of being, Ah, uh, kings and priests of God to offer spiritual sacrifices, as Taylor puts it. Um, and and, you know, remembering in the scriptural imagery that whenever a priest was made or a king was made, they were anointed with oil. And that this became, you know, uh, you know, from the time of the Old Testament, this became the symbol by which the spirit was sort of consecrating someone to this purpose, either consecrating them to a priesthood or you know anointing them, making them a kind of Christus, right? For, the, the kingship, right? When, when, and and so the prophet would go and anoint the ki- the king, and um and this being the image of that. So, so that being an evident scriptural symbol, what else? What else comes? To, you know, how else do you explain like when people ask about the oils in your parish? Like, what is what is was your explanation of that?
1: Yeah, there's de- well, there's definitely the rich scriptural symbolism. I mean, even one of the most well loved psalms, you know, Psalm twenty three, mm-hmm. uh, you anoint my head with oil, um, and of course, um we see in the new Testament uh, when Jesus is um, when, when uh, the woman is, is washing his feet, he says, well, you did not anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet. In other words, you've missed the opportunity to recognize me as priest and King, but she gets it. Um, And, uh, and so, so that, that symbolism certainly there. And, and, and there's a rich, I think, uh, can also talk about maybe the the oil lamps and revelation and and other places um but i think james is a helpful passage who who talks about um that you know if anyone is sick he should call an elder and be anointed with oil in effect and so um clearly there's it's not just a symbolism argument but there's something normative there that's going on in the epistolary literature in the new testament and of course it can be hard to make a case just from one verse in James, but it's it seems normal to him. Hey, this yeah. is this is what we do when someone's sick, or this is what we do in these situations, and so there's clearly a role for this in the church. And so, um, of course, and of course, it's different oils that we use. I mean, when we go and do a sick visit, we would bring a different oil than the oil that's used at confirmation. But I think right. it's still um, it still shows that it's an important tool for us, and it doesn't just go away. Um, It's not just some antiquated thing but rather it is a sacramental it's a it's a means of
0: of of grace yeah that that, that's right it's a it's a sacramental yeah that's that's a good word for it because yeah it is it is ordered towards use in a kind of in a in a in a sacramental practice of the faith uh and it has in the scriptures like a sacramentalism around it which is it is a yeah it is a place where, where where grace is present right it it is a concrete thing in which grace is present has an outward form and an inward reality uh, to it and um but i i think there's also you know you're drawing out the multiple senses of it i think when we do our we'll do an episode and uh, a little bit on unction um and talking about that that kind of relief and healing and the, the merciful aspect of it and I think even, you know, um, you know, in the in the, the Greek, right, the word for oil and the word for like mercy are are very are very similar. Um and they have a kind of um play off of each other. But then but then also it, it, it reflects that deeper reality that oil, especially olive oil in the ancient world, had a kind of soothing, um, a soothing medicinal effect. But then also it was marshaled for a for the use of of and and specially prepared in a different way um for you know these sacred uh, initiations right these sacred uh, inaugurations of, of of a priest of a high priest or of a or, or of a a king uh, you know and and so the, you you have both of these senses um, all throughout the scriptures but then you know i think um, you know, in the church's practice, they quickly adapted this. They picked it up. You know, and I think one of the reasons why it's not, you know, painstakingly laid out is because it was just it was an it was an obvious kind of transition there. I mean, and even the church fathers who talk about it, they 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 have a kind of uncontroversial uh, view of it. I, when one thinks of like Cyprian of Jerusalem, right? He gives a great um, tidbit on this. He says that. Um, uh, which custom is descended to us, that they who are baptized might be brought by the rulers of the church and by our prayer and the in, and the imposition of hands? sorry, not Cyprian, Cyril of Jerusalem, um, and I'm reading the wrong quote in my notes here. Uh, let me restart there. This chrism is not simple or common when it is blessed, but the gift of Christ and the presence of his Holy Spirit, as it were, Effective, the, uh, effective of the divinity itself, this using of oil was instead of baptism with fire, which Christ baptized his apostles with in Pentecost, and oil being the most proper matter of fire is therefore used in confirmation. Um, and this, of course, tying together all of these threads, right, of the, of the descent of the Holy Spirit in fire at Pentecost, of the descent of the spirit on the of the laying on of the apostles hands and of the use of a, of a specially prepared chrism to signify as the as, as to signify the descent of the holy spirit upon someone that a bishop uh, confirms um and so in our practice we see all of these things in the confirmation right in the anglican right um the bishop will lay hands on the head of the confirmand and pray for them and then he will he will chrismate them he will, he will anoint them with chrism um and all of those things have come down to us in our practice there and this is what um we believe to be happening when when this when this ritual action is taken when this sacrament is performed here um and so that being the case um you know that being this sense of confirmation of being ordered to the end of your priestly kingly share in the in the, in the voc- vocation of christ's body um then you know we we're i think we're better equipped to come back to some of those pastoral questions mm-hmm. that uh, arise around confirmation here um one of one of the ones uh, that uh, gets asked a lot in my um catechism classes is is this is this necessary for salvation and you began to touch on that earlier but i'm curious as to how you'd explain that to someone because in a sense it is necessary um and in, and the, and the church has long believed it to be necessary Um, And practiced it with with incredible regularity, Um, and so, um, yeah. So in this case, how would we say, okay, once we get past the the anxious moment of asking, is this necessary for salvation? In that, if I lack it, I am not saved, right? Is there maybe we could start with the the question: Is there a sense of necessary for salvation that doesn't put us right under the guillotine of not being among Christ's people? Right, right,
1: yes. Right. You don't want to create anxiety in people that is uh, negative. Right. So that's why I think we're quick to say, oh, well, you know, the Eucharist and baptism are generally necessary. And the other five, you know, um, I usually tell people something like, you know, uh, yeah, of course, you know, baptism and Eucharist are are generally necessary for salvation. But ask me if I think you need the others. i haven't met anyone who i'd say yeah you don't need to go to confession or oh you don't need confirmation you know of course no no we do need it um to live the christian life um and of course there are christians who you know the holy spirit may provide for them in other ways but based on our understanding of the scriptures um, as we've laid out here uh this should be a normative practice and so if you want to be a part of this tradition then these are, this is one kind of sacrament of initiation that, that is required. And I think, again, framing it in terms of corporate, um, corporate context matters here. I think it's a way of, of solving some of the anxiety, it, you know, yes, it's necessary for your salvation because your salvation is wrapped up in the whole church's salvation. And, um, you Great are point. being given the precise gifts to play your role in the body of Christ here. And so we need you yeah. and you need us. And so, yes, so you need confirmation. Um, doesn't mean you're going to go to hell if you don't have it. It just means that, um, you know, just in terms of living the Christian life, um, it's, it is a, it is a necessity.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It, it seems, I think even, I think Taylor, uh, highlights this too, that it's, uh, you know it doesn't mean that the, the like the grace of your baptism is somehow insufficient or incom or left incomplete um but but also that you know again i think you're like you're, you're pointing to the fact that there's there's a, a hori- there are horizons of what it means to be saved that exceed again that individual um that in- that in- that individual kind of sense that that private sense of of, of just you know me not not going to hell and me not you know um not a, and me not having the worst possible outcome of my life here right me being taken care of um and you know it's similar like in you know i think our our bishop will sometimes uh, liken this question of the necessity of a sacrament to uh, like, he'll liken it to the sacrament of matrimony, right. To, to marriage, right. He goes, do I, He goes, well, he goes, I guess I've never met someone with a healthy marriage that asked, what is the bare minimum I need to be married to this person? You know, That's right. it's like, yeah, you know, you are, you, you know, you won't be not married. Uh, you know, if you um, don't, if you don't maybe avail yourself of these other things, but at the same time, you could, you would say you're, that is a really weird way of looking at it, you know, and, and maybe, and, and one that is, is open to scrutiny you don't you don't have to get confirmed you get to get confirmed yeah exactly <laughs> and and yeah and and there's that part of the the church's life from the beginning that we're welcomed into um and and i think you know because it's both scriptural it's it's well attested to and it, it the the reason not to becomes you know the place where the burden of proof is um i think i think there is a, there is a yeah you, it's better to ask why wouldn't i Mm-hmm. Or why why what what in me is pushing back on this? And I think that some for some it's really just a matter of those kind of inward anxieties about I, I never heard about this before and I'm suddenly feeling very vulnerable in that. Um, and maybe a little embarrassed that you know at that and then there may be some that are like no i just i don't like the idea of you know um, submission to authority or mm-hmm. the, or the idea that you know there's a corporate nature to which my you know personal spiritual journey is now subject and bound and there's a vocation um, and and a life that i am being you know called into but those life that life has limits and and, and conditions and boundaries to it um there's all kinds of uh, of individual questions that come out uh, in that um, which is I, one I, thing that I, yeah, by the way,
1: just when when in talking with people who come from other traditions where maybe they have gone through something called confirmation previously, um, I think that's kind of a healthy way of approaching the topic of saying, like, I don't know what happened at your confirmation in the right. Methodist church or the Lutheran church or whatever. There's a sense in which, I mean, in that community, you are being welcomed in and and, and in some ways being commissioned to to do the work of of a of a of a of a member of the royal priesthood but um scripturally you know the, it is only ever apostles who do it and so if we want right. to take that seriously and if you want to join this particular community then this is what we're saying and 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 I think even in this way we can almost see them as non competitive with each other like hey that was that was whatever happened there I'm glad it happened because somehow it got you here right yeah. So it's not that it's totally, we're not saying that it's void of any value, you know, elsewhere. It's just saying that this is the way that we do it. And as a sacrament, we do it this way.
0: Um, uh, and, and again, that puts us back in the hands of a bishop. Um, exactly. Which is, a, again, a recurring New Testament image uh, and <sighs> and the the sense of a church beyond my local parish. I think I'm increasingly, you know, impressed by the importance of that, the practical and pastoral importance of that. Um, because, you know, I think Jerome was the one who said, right, that that one of the one of the graces of confirmation to the church is that it it offsets and it helps with the prevention of schisms. Right. Mm -hmm. And and you know, one of the ways you could look at that is yeah, having to be in in with, you know, receive regular visitation from your 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 bishop. Um, not being able to be the kind of monarchical record, rector that looms as the highest authority in your parish's life is a good thing for a priest, I think, um, to have that. That to have that other presence, uh, you know, and and but also it's good for the people too. Um, a, if they have you know maybe you know a, a rector who's going through some stuff, you know, having a, knowing that they have a, a you know someone to appeal to beyond them, or Or, you know, or that there is there is a wider sense of the church so that if they are undergoing individual trials and challenges in their local experience of of the Christian life, there is a way of understanding that beyond it, too, that this goes beyond what I can immediately see, which I think is that also makes it a beautiful um, kind of uh, uh, adjacent thought to the to the sacrament of confirmation is I'm being empowered with fire from on high to the end of joining the royal priesthood and 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 participating uh, as as co heir in the kingship of Christ, right, and ruling with Him uh, and being seated on high. Um, But you know, my on the ground experience doesn't always reflect that. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I I don't, you know, and oftentimes I've I, I, I experienced this after my confirmation, and a number of people I've talked to have also experienced it that after they got confirmed, they had, a, they had this sense of like, you know, of resolution of, of, mm-hmm. of moving forward from it, but then they also immediately began to experience insane, like, like sort of difficulties and obstacles in the Christian life too. Um, and you know, I think Bishop Scarlett once said, he was like, yeah, he's like, well, you're in the game now, you know, yep. Yep. <laughs> like, you know, and, and that's, and that's how the, and that's what happens here. So let's, you know, that's why we're, you know, why these other things are now in play, why unction comes into play and why, uh, confession comes into play and why why all these other means of grace are there for you um, but you know having this idea that yeah i'm i belong to the you know one holy catholic and apostolic church um but i experience that through my local parish uh and you know it 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 it, it draws our our imagination outward Um, To say there's a church beyond my local experience, even if I can't always, you know, immediately sensibly detect it. And that that's a challenge to us and our localism. And that's also a relief to us when the local gets kind of rough.
1: Probably to complete that thought, too. I mean, it's good for us. It's good for the priest. It's probably good for the bishop to go around and do confirmations, too, because. um, If I was a bishop and I had all the things that I had to worry about as a bishop which uh, hopefully will never, ever even be a question as to whether I would. But the last thing I would want to do is just go around to parishes. And, you know, in a way, it's almost an inconvenience, right? Like, especially, and I'm thinking about our diocese, which is non-geographical, right? Or, or not, it is geographical, but it's so huge as to almost be non-geographical. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I need the bishop to come at least once a year. And so I, 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 you know, but I think it's good for him because you can't love the church unless you love a particular instantiation of the church. That's right. And so he gets to come and gets to actually be in the parish and he gets to lay hands on people. And I think that's a really good thing for the bishop in their ministry to get to do gets them it it, it, it's 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 not it's like the anti-ivory tower sacrament you know because it actually puts all of us
0: together right Um, the
1: bishop's not over there somewhere you know he's right here
0: yeah every yeah every member of the church passes into the hands of of a bishop yeah yeah that's a significant that's a significant thing and it's almost like when you're when you're observing this sacrament like at an ordination right you have so many of the dimensions of the church kind of present in a, in a more evident way while that liturgy is taking place, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you can see, you, you can see these things, uh, you know, manifest in a way um, that they're, they go on being true, even when they're not as, as visible or obvious, but, um, but they' but but it draws our, our attention to their to, 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 by manifesting them in that one on that day the day yes. that we're confirmed.
1: the only the only analogy I can kind of liken it to and it's a slightly different one, but I think it's it's maybe the the sacerdotal priest version of that's the Maundy Thursday mass mm. where all the priests of the diocese are supposed to gather together for that mass. It's kind of a similar vibe insofar as wow. I really am a part of this thing that's much bigger than just me and my ministry and my parish and my community. Um, And that's always good to be reminded of for sure. Right. Let me ask you a question about confirmation. Yes. Okay. So uh, listeners will know I am certainly not charismatic in terms of my theological leanings. I do not have really a charismatic bone in my body. Um, However, when I was confirmed, I remember my priest telling me, he said, you might feel something. And I did. I did feel something. I I, I can't really put too many words to it other than the heat, electricity sort of felt that, and have talked to similar, ha- talked to people with similar experiences af- at their confirmations and have heard similar testimonies, from people who have received unction i've heard two or three actually in the past maybe year uh at my parish so i'm wondering when you were confirmed did you have any sort of experience of course the confirmation is valid regardless but sure this is the one this is the one area where i kind of say yeah you know what i did feel something that was not i i can't really explain it you know
0: yeah no, I, I definitely did. Um, and, and one of the things I, I initially felt was again, what I, what I described was a, a sense of, of, of resolve. Uh, but then pretty, pretty closely afterward, it was, it was a pretty intense season of, uh, <laughs> of, um, of just difficulty in the spiritual life that arose, um, that ultimately unearthed and confronted, um, some unhelpful and, and just wrong, um, you know interior tendencies i had and thought and just beliefs and thoughts that i had and confronted those things um pretty head on but it was a startling you know correlation between the timing of my confirmation and and that particular season um, um in my own um, experience of the christian life um, and that has not been an uncommon thing from people i've talked to without me making any reference to that they, they've independently reported to me um experiencing that um, it was only really recently that a, a few of them we were all sitting around and 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 chatting and someone said something to that effect and then like to a person, everyone around the circle was like, yep, like here's here's my experience at that. And that's uh you know that's an interesting thing. Um, yeah, the same with unction is is, yeah, I think uh, even though we understand the horizon of the healing of the human person in that that is that is the, that is present in the grace of unction to be the resurrection, right? That that is the ultimate horizon of healing, and everything prior to that ultimate horizon of healing is a is a tenuous healing, you know, mm. because eventually we we face our final illness, our terminal illness, or our terminal condition, um, and and so with that, you know, and understanding, you know, the theology behind it. Nevertheless, you know, people do have us either. A, I I I I've, I've heard it reported people experiencing healing and people mm-hmm. experiencing. Um, if not healing then an incredible peace around uh, to it to assent um to the the suffering and to the cross of their illness or their condition um that they found inaccessible and unthinkable prior to that. so that's that's the two. confession, as we've talked about before, right? You know, I think um I know I've had an experience I've had experience really poignant experiences in confession where there was this, you know this this real sense of something breaking, you know, of breaking and and being of he, uh, being healed, um, you know, uh, from a long standing thing. And and those those are all there. You you, you know, I, I find it, I find it interesting because I I think I've mentioned before here that we I was at Biola during a, a particularly Pentecostal moment mm. among the student body, and so I'd seen a lot of um, of ways people interpret. Um, you know, uh, charismatic gifts um, as they read about them in the scriptures and then put them into practice in different um, church contexts. And you know, I, I visited vineyard churches and places like that before and seen how that was put into practice. But you know, I think you, you know it surprises people when they will come because we'll we'll offer um, you know periodically um, prayers with unction. You know, for we'll we'll offer the sacrament of unction at the end of a mass, right? Um, and people will who would want to come and avail themselves of that they come forward and they um they receive it and if we have some newer people in our midst they go whoa you guys like believe in like do you believe in like miraculous <laughs> healing and i'm like yeah yeah we do you know yeah, we we yeah. believe that you know the lord is you know really and truly present body blood soul and divinity in the eucharist we believe that baptism regenerates you and i'm like going through the sacraments i'm like yeah we we're we're, we're strik- we strikingly sound uh in certain language like pentecostals in that way right but yes. but but then again like that's, that's, that's just a, being a biblically, you know, formed Christian, right? That's a, that's a, that's a, that's the tradition of the church that, um, that is articulated in the scriptures. And, and, um, and, and I think that it surprises people that in a quote unquote traditionalist church, you have this real, this belief in the, the actual moving presence of the Holy Spirit uh, in all of these different ways, but also stabilized um, by you know by the end to which that spirit is given, which is that kind of corporate work of salvation, that corporate worship we owe to God, the, co- the, the that, that that collective um you know responsibility to exercise respon you know to exercise good stewardship of these gifts and to make good use of them, um which you know tends to make the practice of them a lot less spectacular maybe mm-hmm. than you'd see in other contexts and less idiosyncratic to the individual person um and more is just like yeah this is a gift god has given us among many gifts god has given us and um and, and we we practice it with sobriety and stability um, and then you know and and, and as a part of the whole fabric of the li- of life together yeah. yeah. yeah, I'm
1: reminded of, uh, when I went to Liberty one summer, I worked for the office of student housing. It was a terrible job. We were moving furniture all summer, basically. And uh, I, I'm still not really clear as to why we were moving some of the furniture, but that's a whole other thing. But one of our managers in the office was a, was a very charismatic woman. And we were at lunch one day and I, had, somebody asked something about our church and our, our tradition. And I said something about being Anglican and she like, it, like, almost just stopped and said you're anglican do you even believe in the holy spirit <laughs> i said oh yes i believe he's on the altar or he's he's working at the altar every sunday and i believe he works in the prayers for healing and i believe he works at you know I, the same litany you just gave
0: yeah
1: and <laughs> i think that uh, was eye opening for her you know that oh no it's not just stuffy you know frozen chosen uh, stuff it's actually uh, it's actually
0: a living faith you know yeah, that's right. You know, I, 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 I'm I was i have taken, and this is the kind of the the you know again drawing us back into that worship language. I was always taken by um, Schmemann's uh, characterization of confirmation or chrismation, as he would call it. In for the life of the world, he says it's the personal Pentecost of man, hmm. um, his by which his whole body is anointed, sealed, sanctified, dedicated to the new life. The whole man is now made the temple of God, and his whole life from now on is a liturgy. Um, and that being maybe the, the threshold that's crossed in confirmation is um, to have been made the temple, but then to be consecrated, right? It's like the building of a new church or a new parish, and then the consecration of it and the inauguration of its, of its worship. Um, being different acts and that and seeing these as as those two different things we think about in Genesis right the the creation of of all things of you know of heavens and earth and land and sea and you know and, and air and all these all the creatures therein but then when God takes his rest in the in the midst of that cosmic you know uh, temple that he has made for himself. Then it it, it consecrates the whole, right? It it it, it inaugurates the temple creation and gives it its and and now its purpose has been is 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 now active, right? It was a potential and now it's kinetic, Mm -hmm. Um, and and that being the thing with with the life of with with life of each Christian too, and that again is just the language Saint Paul uses to describe the Christian life. Yep, absolutely. Remind me to tell
1: you my unction story when we do the episode on unction.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to 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 drawing that one out too, because again, it's the other oil sacrament. You know, right. uh, outside of you know, um, you know, the way we're in, our hands are anointed at, at, in priesthood, and and mm-hmm. then a bishop's head is anointed in uh, in consecration. But, um, but yeah, it's the other big one with that. But this one also. Uh, is uh, i'm interested to talk about the like it's a repeated one too yes um, and we'll get into like the the last rites conversation there because that's also uh the liturgy of dying is really important and very well, the book ends with this one <laughs> yes
1: yes it does well and i love the way the prayer book is structured and so in, in that particular section how it's mm-hmm. baptism confirmation marriage uh visitation of the sick and then the funeral service and it's like yeah, that, it's all there. My grandpa, one time, we, we used to live in the town of Bedford, Virginia, which is a really small little town. And my grandpa, years before we moved there, had driven through and uh, stopped on a street. And there was a Catholic church, hospital, and cemetery. And the mm-hmm. priest was outside on the grounds doing something. And my grandpa started talking to him. My grandparents were Roman Catholics. and um he, and the priest said, "Yeah, we've got everything you need right on this one street. You, know, one you can be born up. on the hospital, uh, come to church here, and then you can be buried over there in the cemetery."
0: No, there's, I mean, but again, like as 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 macabre as you know, sometimes that sound. Although I'm I'm totally here for it. It's it's I, I describe our, you know, they ask what is what are the strengths of this spiritual tradition, you know, that you're in. I go, well, ours and our and the ones that are like it. Um, there's there's a there's a plausible answer of how i will be formed from the moment i am born to the moment i die
1: mm-hmm.
0: and how i'll be formed in christ um every moment um at in, 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 in each of those moments and every moment in between and yep. whew, that's that's a that's a i think a a powerful thing I, I don't know of many things that can admit of that right everything right. else is much more segmented um, sequestered to a particular season of life um, uh, but like the like you know, as when we embrace the fullness of the sacramental life and all the sacraments, um they really do um frame life as one whole life and not as a piecemeal life. Um, yep. and, and this is that one. it's like the you the, the, like you put it, the Christian ordination, the Christian coming of age, right? The Christian inheritance, um and the and and being declared, um, you know, to be part of this body and to be and to be, you know, gifted. Um, with this rich inheritance that is Christ's inheritance, and made a little Christ with Him, right? Mm. Um, a little anointed one with Him, and and that, yeah, I think yeah, we can't we can't overstate the importance of that. Not at all. Hmm. Well, uh, let's move on to our uh, our our new segment here, and uh, again, we're gonna, we're, I think, we're gonna have to scrape for answers given we're we're, we're in between football seasons here. But uh, Father West, what are you into uh, right now?
1: Two things. Um... The first is I bought a standing desk. I don't know why I just did all those um, balloons. If you're watching this on YouTube, I, I just balloons. I made I did abuse you... too, and it just um a bunch of balloons came on the screen. But no, I I I bought a motorized standing desk that is awesome. So it's got buttons on the side, and you can you can manually you know elevate it to as high as you want, or you can have these presets as to how high you want it. And I just there's something about the liturgy of starting work and pressing the little button and the desk slowly comes up as I'm waiting for it. And then just standing there and being able to kind of spread out. Cause I already have a sitting desk. So being able to spread all my stuff out, I feel like I'm the commander of a ship um, or something. I just, it feels really cool um, to have a standing desk. So that's, that's one thing (laughs) that I'm into. And the other thing is, uh, is baseball, uh, but not for the reasons you might think. Usually it's because sports season is coming around or just starting or whatever, but um, we just uh, signed our oldest son up for his first year of T-ball slash coach pitch, and uh, went out yesterday to Dick's Sporting Goods and bought all of the requisite equipment: cleats, uh, baseball glove, baseballs, baseball bat, baseball bag. I bought myself a glove because uh, I I feel like I, you know, want to get out there and throw the ball with them now, I, and um. I might even I might even volunteer myself to be an assistant coach. I'm still debating it, but I think I might do that. So I'm just very excited. I played baseball for years, probably probably 10 or 12 years of playing uh baseball. It was a pretty constant thing for me. So I'm just so excited for for this to get going, you know. Uh, the youth sports uh will begin and uh, that that'll be a lot of fun. So
0: no, that's awesome. I would I would love to see you coaching, you know. I just <laughs> want to see you like coach Wes, you know, coming off the bench, you know, that's right. That's right.
1: I'll, I'll, I, I think the, my spirit animal will be a uh, Will Ferrell and kicking and screaming. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: juice box. That's right. Juice box. <laughs> so that's what I'm into. What are you into father? Oh man. Um, so Lent is a, a pretty typical, uh, uh time for, uh, for my, uh, like parish clean out uh, I don't know if you do this uh, with any regularity it's it's uh stuff just seems to collect in uh, the nooks and crannies of the of the building and uh, you know, with Lent, especially in the first three weeks of Lent, when we're focusing on, you know, on getting, you know, ousting all the things that, you know, don't belong in the cleanly swept house. Uh, I, I, it's, I'm minded to do a general tidy of, of the main spaces we all uh, are working in. So I just, I just purged the sacristy of of any, any stuff that doesn't belong in there, you know, you know, old uh, you know, like used up eight day candle, you know, mm-hmm. candles that you kind of put under the under the shelf or something like that for a bit. Um and uh, you know, we did a good thorough sacristy clean out. Now we're gonna I'm gonna be working on the Narthex closet, which is, as you probably know, like it's it's where everything everything yeah. goes to die. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, doing my doing the Lenten, uh, uh, you know, the Lenten cleaning uh, for uh, for the parish. Um, the other thing I've, I, I'm into right now is I actually um, picked up a copy of Evelyn Underhill's um, School of Charity, uh, which I which was commended to me as a as a Lenten read. And I, I think you know, in her preface to it, she she references uh, that it is a good meditation for Lent to come back to the fundamentals. And it's it's a a kind of has a bit of you know its her her characteristic kind of grounded mysticism apropos of our conversation here um but it's uh, it's a a contemplative reading of the creed mm. um and uh just finding it a real delightful refreshing um and challenging uh read so far um and and one that um yeah draws back to um you know it's always it's always useful to be reschooled in the fundamentals no matter how uh, how far along you get um, so I've, I've been enjoying that too, um, and also um, both my children um, are really into um, Legos right now. Nice. Uh, and so uh, this is the third thing I've been into. Is we've been uh, we've been really going at the Lego building uh, since uh, in, in the last uh, few weeks. Uh, so I have been all about um, re- re- recapturing my childhood skills there, uh, and and, uh, and putting them to use. And are they into a particular?
1: set like uh
0: like Lego like Star Wars or Lego like uh I don't know yeah my it? daughter really loves the the Star Wars ones which I'm just so happy about. She has not seen Star Wars yet. So all of nice. this is very um theoretical uh information. It's a good way to get them into I mean the characters and the Yeah, yeah she likes yeah. the way they look and they they make you know they, they they they're they're interesting and she's seen enough kind of uh you know ambient references to it to yes. to have a vague and You know, semi correct idea of what it is. My son, of course, just loves you know just putting stuff together and then smashing it and and doing that side of thing. That's his where he's at right now. You'll appreciate Uh, this. It's been an exercise in patience for me because it's like okay, like you know, right? right, Like I have this idea and then it's like okay, Dad starts to build something. It's like oh, but let's smash that and build something else. I'm like. Okay,
1: <laughs> you'll you'll appreciate this, I think. We have a, a lady at my parish whose son, who's an adult, I mean, he's old, probably older than I am, uh, lives in Denmark, just recently moved to Denmark to work for Lego. Um, he's one of their diversity officers or something like that. Um, and so he was here visiting for a couple weeks in the States uh, to see his mom. And so he came to church a couple times and at coffee hour, uh, multiple times told him, Hey, whatever you do at your job, can you put in a word that we really want Bionicle back?
0: That's rad.
1: So I, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully our prayers will be answered, and uh, and and I badgered him enough that that he'll put in a word with the with the higher ups at Lego that we want Bionicles again.
0: Oh, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, we got to keep me posted on that because yeah, that would be that would be a fun one. That would be a fun. Oh one. yeah, they were great. That's full of nostalgia. <laughs> yep.
1: Yep daughtry i think the band daughtry was on the soundtrack to one of the video games that's that's how old we're getting
0: whoa what a deep cut (laughs) it's a deep cut (laughs) oh well friends uh that will do it for us today um so please uh if you would follow us on facebook or twitter like and subscribe on youtube and leave us a rating and review on itunes and always uh, if you have not yet done so please uh, consider joining the communion of patreon saints for just five dollars a month Uh, father wes um, would you uh, offer for us our um, our closing prayer the uh, the collect for pentecost
1: absolutely the lord be with you and with thy spirit let us pray almighty and most merciful god grant we beseech thee that by the indwelling of thy holy spirit we may be enlightened and strengthened for thy service. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the same Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen.